Amazing Grace Kona welcomes you to today's lesson from Pastor Izzy Manzo. Our prayer is that today's lesson will spiritually feed and uplift you. Now, here's Pastor Izzy. Mark chapter 13 we're at right now is Jesus is alive in front of the religious leaders and they can't stand him. They want to kill him. But the crowds like him too much. They're afraid of the crowds. So they're waiting for their moment. Jesus then says to them, listen, the Holy Spirit will give you what to say. In that very hour, you're brought before kings or authorities. And then he says in verse 12, and brother will deliver up brother to death. Father and child and children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. And you will be hated on account of my name by all. But it is the one who endures to the end who will be saved. Now, when you see the abomination, it says, of desolation standing where it should not be, let the reader understand, it says, then let those that are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is in the housetops not go down or enter in to get anything out of his house. Let him who's in the field not turn back to get his cloak. But woe to those that are with child in those days and nurse babes in those days. Pray that it might not happen in the winter. For those days, in those days will be a time of tribulation such as not occurred since the beginning of creation, which God created until now and shall never be. Daniel the prophet spoke about the abomination, what causes desolation that would come. And to understand the context of this abomination, what causes desolation, I have to give you a little bit of background. Daniel is one of the young boys that gets captured by Nebuchadnezzar when Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, takes over ruling the world. And he grabs Daniel and his three buddies, gives them new names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You guys remember those guys that get thrown in the fiery furnace? He and his three buddies, they get taken from Jerusalem back to Babylon, over 400 miles away. They're taken as captives, living in captivity in Babylon. And the Lord told him that there was going to be 70 years appointed that they would be captives in this place. For 70 years, God was going to make the land to have rest, a Sabbath. A Sabbath rest because, see guys, they had been out of Egypt and they had been brought by Moses. And they had entered into Canaan's land under Joshua's leadership. But for 490 years, they did not give the land its rest like they were supposed to. Every seventh year, they're supposed to give it a year off. And today we know as far, you know, in the farming industry, if you don't, if you overwork a piece of land more than seven years, it, it, it literally dies. It, it has no more nutrition to give to the plants. The, 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 the crops won't grow. So every seventh year, you have to let it to lie fallow just to rest. They hadn't let it rest for 490 years. Now, if you divide seven into 490, what do you get? 70. And he said, because you didn't give the land its rest, God says, I'll give it the rest. You guys kicks them off the land. Uses, uses Nebuchadnezzar to take away the Israelites. And the land is, I mean, Jerusalem becomes desolate, a wasteland. And Daniel's over there for 70 years. Now, there was these false prophets saying, don't worry, God's going to bring us back. We're going back. Don't even unpack your suitcases because God's going to beat up this, this guy, Nebuchadnezzar, and we're going home. And Daniel stood up and said, don't listen to these false prophets. He said, get married, have children, have, let your children have children, have grandchildren, build houses. You're staying here for 70 years. God has told me 
we're we're here for for a haul. We're not. This is not a quickie, and we're out of here. And this happens sometimes. You got false prophets saying one thing that people want to hear, and then you got the true prophet of God saying, "By the way, this is the way it really is going to go down." Well, Daniel was praying, and this chapter, what we're going to read here, Daniel chapter nine, he is praying in the first year of Darius. Daniel nine verse one. The, the son of Asherah and of the of Median descent, who was made king over the Chaldeans in the first year of his reign. Daniel got taken captivity at the beginning of this book of Daniel. He gets hauled off by Nebuchadnezzar. That's how the book of Daniel starts off, with them being captured. And that, by the way, that's 605 B.C. So in 605 B.C., he gets hauled off by Nebuchadnezzar, and now we're coming to 538 B.C., and he says, I observed in the book of no, the number of years which was revealed in the uh, as the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet for the completion of desolation of Jerusalem. Namely, there would be how many years? Seventy. So I gave my attention to the Lord God to seek him by prayer and supplication and fasting with sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed to the Lord, my God. And I confessed, alas, O Lord, great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant and loving kindness for those that love him and keep his commandments. He said, we have sinned. We've committed iniquity. We've acted wickedly and rebelled, even turning aside from your commandments and your ordinances. Moreover, we have not listened to thy servants, the prophets who spoke in thy name, to our kings and our princes, our fathers, and all the people of our land. But righteousness belongs to thee, O Lord. But to us open shame, as it is to this day, to the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and all Israel, those that are near, nearby and those that are far away, and all the countries to which thou hast driven them because of their unfaithful deeds, which they have committed against thee. Open shame, he said, belongs to us. O Lord, to our kings, to our princes, our fathers, because we sinned. And to the Lord our God belongs compassion and forgiveness, for we have rebelled against him. Nor have we obeyed the voice of the Lord to walk in his, his teachings, which he set before us through his servants, the prophets. Indeed, all Israel has trans transgressed thy law and turned aside, not obeying the voice so that the curse has been poured out on us, along with the oath which was written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, for we have sinned against him. Thus he confirmed his word, which he spoke against us and against our rulers who ruled us to bring on us great calamity. For under the whole heaven, there has not been done anything like what was done to Jerusalem. What had happened to Jerusalem when Nebuchadnezzar went in there? It says he raised it, R-A-Z-E-D. But see, Daniel, he's acknowledging that the Jews had sinned. He acknowledged their sin. They were, the, they were not listening to the Lord. And so he says, you have brought this calamity on us. We deserve it, though. But did you notice he said, but you, O Lord, belongs compassion and forgiveness to you, Lord. We sin, but you're very compassionate. Now listen to Daniel's prayer, because if you could learn how to pray like him, you could go a long way. He's going to pray don't deal with us according to what we deserve. Deal with us according to your great compassion. God, I know if you dealt with me according to what I deserve, I'd be like, 
a toasted marshmallow here. No, I'd be a black singed one. He'd fry me if he dealt with me according to what I deserve. But he said, don't deal with me according to what we deserve. Instead, deal with us according to your great mercy, according to your great compassion, because of who you are, Lord. So, indeed, verse, verse 11, all Israel has transgressed thy law and turned aside, not obeying thy voice, so that the curse has been poured out on us, along with the oath which was written in the law of Moses, the servant of God. For we have sinned against him. Thus we confirmed his words, and he has, which he has spoken against us, against the our rulers, against those that ruled us, to bring on us great calamity under the whole heaven. There's not been done anything, highlight that, anything like what was done to Jerusalem. Now, as it is written in the law of Moses, by the way, this is Leviticus 26, verses 14 to like about verse 45, 46. He told them what would happen if they did not give the land its rest. In the Levitical law, he said, you don't give it rest, I'll, I'll give it rest. But they didn't listen. Daniel recognizes all this calamity has come on us, yet we have not sought the favor of the Lord our God by turning from our iniquity and giving our attention to thy truth. Therefore, Lord, the Lord has kept us in calamity, and in, in store he has brought it on us, for the Lord our God is righteous with respect to all his deeds which he has done, which we, but we, we have not obeyed his voice. Now, O Lord God, who has brought up thy people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and has made a name for thyself as it is to this day, we have sinned, we have been wicked. But, O Lord, in accordance with all thy righteous acts, let now thine anger and thy wrath turn away from thy city Jerusalem, thy holy mountain, for because of our our sins and our iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and thy people have become a reproach to all those around us. So now, O Lord, listen to the prayer of thy servant and to his supplication. And for thy sake, O Lord, let thy face shine on the desolate sanctuary. O my God, incline thine ear and hear. Open thy eyes and see our desolations and the city which is called by thy name. For we are not presenting our supplications before thee on account of any merits of our own but on account of thy great compassion. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen and take action. For thine own sake, O my God, do not delay, because thy city and thy people, which are called by thy name. He doesn't say, Lord, listen to me because I'm so great, right? Listen to me because you're so great. We are sinners. Does Daniel get answer to this prayer? Yes. As soon as he prays, God sends an angel named Gabriel to bring an answer. The answer what is going to unravel the whole mystery of the abomination, what causes desolation. Gabriel's going to bring the whole understanding to Daniel and explain it. And by the way, did Jesus know what the abomination, what causes desolation was all about? <laughs> yeah. He said, now he's telling, Jesus is telling the disciples, when you see the abomination that causes desolation, don't even go down into the, to the house, right? If you're up on the roof, just boogie. Okay, run. So just to give you a clue, this abomination what causes desolation has to happen in his sanctuary or the, the temple. Very important, just little details. But there's going to be something comes down at the temple. Now, was there a temple when Jesus was riding into Jerusalem? 
Yeah, remember, they said, what beautiful stones. And he said, I tell you the truth, not one stone will be left upon another. And sure enough, by 70 AD, the Romans came in and destroyed the temple. So my question is, was there an abomination what caused desolation between 33 AD and 70 AD? And the answer is no, not then. But I'll explain why. I have to read you the end of this chapter now. Because the answer is going to come, and there's no sense me trying to paraphrase when I got the angel Gabriel's words written right here. Verse 20. Now, while I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplications before the Lord my God in behalf of the holy mountain of my God in prayer, then the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in a vision previously, came to me in my extreme weariness, he says, about the time of the evening offering, and he gave me instructions, and he talked with me. And he said, O Daniel, I have come now forth to give you insight and understanding. At the beginning of your supplication, the command was issued, and I have come to tell you, for you are highly esteemed, or the old King James says, greatly beloved of the Lord. And so give heed to this message and gain understanding of the vision. So here's Gabriel says, I just came to give you the answer. What you prayed for the answer, 77s or weeks, we, we call a group of seven a week. So they, the translators put 77s or 70 weeks have been decreed for your people and for your holy city to finish transgression, to make an end of sin, to make atonement for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy place. So you are to know and to discern that from the issuing of a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the coming of the Messiah, the Prince, that there will be seven, the seven sevens, and how many sevens? Plus 62 sevens. Or you can say weeks, it doesn't matter. Seven weeks plus 62 weeks. But the problem with using the word week is we always think of seven days. And the word is also can mean seven, any group of sevens, like seven years, a week. We just, in English, we only seem to use it for days, okay? But it actually, in its original form, meant a group of seven, 77. Just, in fact, if your Bible says 70 weeks, like mine, you can put in parentheses or 77s, just to make, help your mind understand this. And he says, and then this there will they will build again with plaza and moat even in times of distress and then after 62 weeks the messiah will be cut off having nothing and the people of the prince who is to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary and it will end with a flood even to the end there will be war and desolations which are determined and he will make a firm covenant with many for one seven one week but in the middle of that week he will put a stop to the sacrifice and the grain offerings and on the wing of abominations will come one who makes desolate, even a complete destruction, one that is decreed and is poured out on the one who makes desolate. So the angel says, I'm going to give you understanding. There's the promise from God. Seventy sevens have been determined. And he breaks down the seventy sevens into three groups. Verse 62, sevens, plus seven sevens, that's 69 of the 70. And then he leaves one group of seven, the last one. He calls that last week. 
And in the last week, something bad's going to happen. There's a guy that's going to show up and set up a abomination what causes desolation. Boy, the world's going to get bad at this time. Now, here's Daniel trying to understand this. By the way, some people, um, they say the book of Daniel is too accurate. There's no way that a guy at this time in history could know what would come later. But who is telling him the details? Gabriel, the angel? Do you think Gabriel just doesn't know what's coming around the corner? I mean, when you're... When you're an angel and you're eternal, this is not like a, like he's not going, oh, um, I wonder what comes. Let me make up a story. He didn't have to. He saw what was coming. God sent him to tell Daniel. He says, you are to know and discern from the issuing of the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the coming of the Messiah, the Prince. Now, I know in history, because I can cheat. I read the book of Nehemiah. It opens with telling the story about how Artaxerxes, who was in charge of the world at that time, by the way, he's not alive yet. He's 445 BC coming up. It's like a couple more hundred years coming. He's going to take over the world, and he's going to give Nehemiah. He says, you go, and here's the, here's the orders, and you can go rebuild the whole thing. And by the way, we're going to bankroll the whole project. Okay, now, this is 445 BC. We actually know that Nehemiah, he gets told this and in, in Nehemiah 2, verses 1 to 10. And he, on March 14th, would be on our calendar, March 14th, 445 B.C., that decree is issued. Well, okay, all I got to do is take 62 sevens plus seven sevens. Okay, 69 sevens. If you're good at math, okay, you know, seven times seven is 49. 62 times seven, right, 434. Add them together, 483. So, and then he says, that, now he's not saying days. He's saying sevens of, uh, if it turns out, until the coming of the Messiah, the Prince. This is 445 BC. So I add 173,880 days. The reason I did that, by the way, is I'm not using, I'm not using the Julian calendar, which is, is a lunar, I mean, it's a solar calendar, 365 and a quarter days. I'm using the Babylonian calendar. Why would I use that? Wait a minute. Who's this be written to? Daniel. And where's Daniel? In Babylon. And they were on the lunar calendar, which is a 360-day calendar. Well, you just do the math, and you multiply the 69 sevens times 360 days. You get 173,880 days. Do you know what day you come to on the calendar? That's why they can't stand Daniel. It's too accurate. Nobody could say that a king would give a decree that would be written down that you could actually do the math and come to the very day of the coming of the Messiah, the Prince. But it says he would come and be cut off and receive nothing. There's still yet one more seven left. There's a seven-year period. Now, we can cheat. <laughs> we got the whole Bible in front of us, so it is cheating, isn't it, when we turn to the last book? It's like spoiler alert. I read to the end, Revelation, it says, and in the last seven, called the Great Tribulation, there's this guy that's going to show up saying he's the Messiah, but he's not really the Messiah. He's actually what's called the Anti-Messiah, or the Antichrist, and he's going to set up an image of himself in the temple. He's going to desecrate the temple. Now, if you read Daniel chapter 11, Satan, by the way, in Daniel 11, actually kind of 
I, I call it um, warm-up. Because when we get to Daniel 11, we read history, we find out these different guys leading up to the coming of the Messiah. They, they, between your Bible, maybe your Old Testament and your New Testament, there's about a 400-year gap between the end of the last book, Malachi, and the beginning of Matthew. And if you raise Catholic like I was, we had these extra books. They weren't called scriptures. They were called apocryphal books. And they had like First and Second Maccabees and um, these books that actually just fill in the history. They didn't say they were inspired, but they were just to help you know what happened from the end of Malachi till Jesus came. There's a fellow named Antichus Epiphany IV, and we read about him in Daniel chapter 11. Daniel prophesied that this guy would come and he would practice setting up an abomination. He would actually get ticked because the, at the time he's going to be put in his place by the authorities. He's, he kind of wants to take over the world. He's, a, he's one of them power-hungry dudes. And I can't remember the, the Roman guy's name, but he, he takes a stick and he draws a circle around Antiochus Epiphanes. He says, you make up your mind. Before you step out of that circle, if you're not with us, you're dead. And he went home pouting. And because he did, he stopped by Jerusalem. He was really ticked at the Jews. And he went and got a pig, and he slaughtered it and put it on the altar. Now, some people know this story. They heard about, oh, yeah, the guy who slaughtered the pig on the altar. Was that the, was that the abomination what caused desolation? I said, if it was, why would Jesus say, like, after the, that, that already happened, you know, a couple hundred years before Jesus rode in. Why didn't he say, like had the abomination what caused desolation by Antiochus Epiphanes? No, he didn't say that. He said, when you see the abomination what causes desolation. What? What's it? What's the, okay, so we got to put the clues together. Some dude's going to show up saying he's the Messiah. He's going to set up his image in the temple and say, worship me as the Christ. Halfway through the last seven. This is in the book of Revelation. The, the Antichrist is going to do this. The only problem is, do we have a temple? Not yet. Now, are the Jews getting ready to rebuild the temple? Yes. They have all the articles built. They've got the table of showbread. They've got the lampstand. They've got the lavers to wash in, the basins. All the stuff is already, they have a thing called the Temple Mount Institute. To this day, you can go over there. They are prepped. They literally have the stuff ready. As soon as they get permission on the holy site, which, by the way, is marked. If you want to look on the Google Earth maps, you look for that big gold dome of the Rock Mosque, and you look over just a little to the side of it. There's this little teeny white cupola. It's only about 16 feet around. And it's called the Dome of the Spirit. Very inconspicuous. And it's situated above what we call the Western Wall, what would be the Holy of Holies, where Solomon had his temple situated. But it says that this man of great intrigue will come and say, peace, peace, everyone, let's get along. And doesn't Isaiah say that that part goes to the Gentiles? And this part, we can still have the, the temple and the inner court holy to the Lord. I tell you, as soon as you see a man of great smoothness, it says, of speech, real polished, who has Jewish, by the way, Jewish descent, not a Gentile, the Jews will never buy a Gentile saying, hey, I'm the Messiah. They go, wrong. Why does the book of the whole New Testament start with the genealogy of Jesus? Why does he got to have a genealogy? He's got to be Jewish. 
The Antichrist will not show up and say, I'm a Gentile, I'm the Savior. The Jews would go, poopa, you're not it. But when a Jewish guy shows up and starts saying, it's okay, let's let everybody get along, let's rebuild the temple. Do we have anything getting ready for this? Do we have um, Israel back as a nation? I'm sorry it took me so long to tie together all the history notes, but it'll make more sense next week when I bring it together with the rest of this chapter. And we'll see what Jesus says about it all. Okay, now he's speaking to a Jewish audience. They already knew what I just told you. They knew Daniel. They knew all the stuff. You know, it's not like new to them. But I want to take the time. Well, there's some important parts to the whole prophetic scene that have to come. And I got it on whose word? Who was speaking to Daniel? Gabriel, right? Told him straight. And in Revelation, we have the angel of Jesus telling us this stuff. Okay, so just so you know, we got pretty good credibility here. We're not going like way out there on a limb going, I wonder if, uh, you know, God knows about this. Yeah, he sent this so we would know. So, and we'll, we'll, we'll pick up here next week. Father, thanks for the privilege to have your word before us, to have these wonderful things spelled out for us that we could, we could know and discern those times what you have placed us in. You said when we see these things begin to come to pass, that we should look up because our redemption draweth nigh. Lord, let us be a people that have eyes what are turned heavenward, looking for you, our Redeemer. Amazing Grace Kona thanks you for listening to today's lesson. If your travels take you to Kailua Kona on the Big Island of Hawaii, come visit us. We meet Sunday mornings, 9 a.m., on the beach at the north end of the old Kona Airport. For more information about Amazing Grace Kona, go to our website, AmazingGraceKona.com. Amazing Grace Kona is the original Calvary Chapel Kona.